This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where he pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Mark Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It is going fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I just got my garage door fixed, like my car garage door for my two-car garage. It cost me five grand. Oh yeah, no, that shit is ridiculously expensive for as simple as it is. Yeah, like I got a, basically an influx and a bonus from work, and it all went into fixing my garage door. So Welcome to homeownership. Yep. So, you know, good thing, garage door's fixed. Bad thing, cost a dickload of money. So, you know, that's where I am today. <laughs> yeah, no. Jesus. I don't know why they cost so much. It's not that much machinery. Yeah. I mean, the motor itself was nearly a grand. So Sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? I'm very tired. I've been working a lot of forced overtime lately. That's not good. I've been listening to dollops about labor stuff, so I'm especially prone right now to uh, company outrage. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I just... I fucking hate forced overtime. Here's a little secret about overtime. It doesn't make you any actual money. Most of it is wasted in taxes. Mm, unfortunate. So yeah, that's just uh, Ulrich's free financial advice. Yeah, and if you want to feel some rage like I feel about this thing, go listen to the doll talk about Lucy Parsons. Anyway, <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. And before we talk about our topic, I think we got a thing for you to do. Yeah, uh, the people who give us money from their forced overtime are wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vade, Brenda Nagney, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donna Lucy, Patrick Hansen, Carson Demel, Scott Rubin, Derek Cotty, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. A dollar a month is 25 cents an episode. And come on, you got a dollar. And today is another one of our quote-unquote standard episodes. No guests, no out-there gimmick, just me and Ulrich having a geeky conversation that we've kind of touched on before and felt like recording proper. I think we've talked around this topic, but we've never quite found the correct venue. If this, if you guys don't like this one, we're creatively burnt out. Leave us alone. <laughs> I wouldn't say burnt out, but we have struggled a little bit for topics behind the scenes. So, hey, if you've got topics, send it to us. We're down to talk about most things. Anyway, tell us what our topic for today is, Ulrich. We are going to talk about the idea of, quote-unquote, street-level heroes, how we define them, and if those characters really fit the definition of street-level. Now, what's funny about this for me is that in most cases where we talk about a topic like this, I would start us off by being like, Here's how we're defining this, except that's a basic part of this conversation. So there is no preamble. Part of this discussion is figuring out what is the definition of this term, really. Which I will say causes a problem because just as I'm going to say research, but that's not really what it is. But as background, I did some Googling today just on Reddit forums and superhero forums and whatnot to see what other people thought. And from what I can tell... There is no official definition. The term pretty much only exists for discussions like this on places like Reddit and superhero forums and whatnot. There's no answer. So that's that's that it makes it the perfect topic for us because it means there's no wrong answer. Yeah, from what I can tell, there is no wrong answer. I will say that from my perspective, there are three primary categories that I found repeated over and over again when I was searching for, for people and the things that make something street level. Should I bring them up or do you want to say your thing first without me influencing you? Oh, go ahead. I'm really curious how or what it is. Okay. And again, this is not necessarily my point of view, although I have, I think I am coming around to it 
quickly, but this was just me going to, I went probably, I don't want to exaggerate, so up front, I went to probably maybe 15 different forums slash sites, and then scrolled through about three pages of each. So I looked at about maybe 45 pages of comments, so uh, maybe like 300 or something like that. Axel's out there doing the research. If he doesn't mention your preferred methodology, you got to get on them forums more. Yeah, so first one, and I think the most obvious one, is power. Simply put, how powerful is the hero? Generally speaking, street-level heroes are defined, at least in some way, by the cap of their power is the capacity to destroy a street. So, again, in like a, you know, an encounter, essentially. Two is the kind of threats and villains that they are put against. So this basically means that if they're dealing with robbers, muggers, even crime syndicates, uh, things that are, you know, mafias and whatnot, that makes them street level. If they're dealing with world cabals, super, like, world-conquering geniuses, or galactic threats, things like, well, Galactus, not street level. And three is sphere of influence, meaning where does their influence end? If their influence is upwards of affecting a city, they're street level. Beyond a city, like if their influence affects a country, or the planet, or the, or the solar system, or the galaxy, not street level. And from what I can tell, they don't have to have all three. They just have to have a general kind of consensus among them. Basic example I found, widely considered Green Arrow is street level but Hawkeye is widely considered not. And the main reason seems to be, from what I can tell, that Green Arrow fits all three categories, that his powers are, he just has a bow and arrow, that his villains are tend to be criminals and mafia stuff in his city, and his sphere of influence is, well, his city. Hawkeye fits one of them, which is his powers, but his villains tend to be, because he, he pretty much only operates in the Avengers, so he's fighting world and even galaxy level threats all the time and his sphere of influence as a world-renowned super spy in shield is he affects world business not just city business so two characters who on the surface are almost identical in what they are capable of and what they do are in the community from what i can tell considered opposite sides of this conversation because of that does that make sense that makes perfect sense and i love it because my basic system exists in you kind of fall in one of three categories you're either street level, superhero level, or cosmic. And the, the best example of that would be Daredevil, Captain America, or the Fantastic Four. The scale I saw was was street, country, planet, cosmic. But again, I saw other people kind of shift within that, so there's no hard set rules about it. Yeah, no, that was kind of the loose outline in my head. Then I started plunking people in. But I love your comparison of Hawkeye and Green Arrow is a great one. It's like they have the same powers, but you're right. And my kind of brain would come up with Black Widow. Like the long-running joke is Black Widow shouldn't be on the Avengers. But then I thought about Black Widow patrolling the streets. And it's like, no, you're way too overqualified for that. The opposite example, and me and, me and Ulrich have kind of debated this before, but the reason why Spider-Man, despite being more powerful than Captain America, for instance, is considered street level is because his influence really is just New York and he spends most of his time fighting muggers, robbers, and people with super tech who are still just trying to rob banks, essentially. Yeah, no. See, Spider-Man's a weird one for me because I think about how physically strong he is and my brain's like, you probably shouldn't be stopping muggers. But then I think... Captain America can hit with the speed of a, you know, force of a speeding car, and you're like, hmm. Yeah, it's funny, because by this argument, Spider-Man is the opposite of Hawkeye, in that his power indicates he should be punching above where he is, but his sphere of influence and his regular villains are what make him street level. <laughs> yeah, like, outside of Norman Osborn, none of his villains really pose a global threat. Yeah, and even Norman Osborn isn't usually concerned with anything other than his company. <laughs> so. Osborn got the power bump in the 2000s, you know, with the Dark Rain run and Hammer and all that. But True. yeah. True. But still, most of his interpretations, I mean, a vast majority of his bad guys can be summed up as 
I was in some sort of science experiment and or invented something. Time to go rob a bank. So, yeah, no, Spider-Man, I think Spider-Man's that neat little Venn diagram of he can be a street-level guy, but he can also be on the Avengers. You Which know? is also why Spider-Man's considered to be kind of the perfect conversation for this, because actually Spider-Man fits into every category at some point in his life. That's kind of what I makes don't, him fit, though. See, I don't think Spider-Man should be going and facing cosmic threats. He shouldn't, but he just happens to have multiple times. So, yeah, many times. That falls into the popular character thing. Yeah, but, but the, same, like, the same deal is, uh, on a, in a similar vote, Batman. I was reading about people talking about Batman oh, in this conversation. Batman. When Batman first debuted, he was definitively a street-level hero. But he now, should still fucking be street level. But now, even though he does spend plenty of time fighting muggers and mafia stuff, he's generally far more associated with doing stuff with the Justice League on galactic crazy scales. I mean, we have him dodging Darkseid's Omega Beams. So. Yeah, no, that's exactly where Batman went wrong is they, okay, he's on the Justice League. Doesn't really belong on the Justice League. Let's write in reasons for him to be on the Justice League. I will say that whether or not he belongs in the Justice League is another conversation because I disagree, but I get where you're coming from. I'm not from. saying he doesn't have a place. I'm just saying I hate that, you know, he can dodge Darkseid's eye beams. Yeah. But yeah, I he agree. He can't solve the budget crisis of Gotham. <laughs> well, oh, no, that, that's, that's too much for Batman, but he can dodge undodgeable eye beams because well, he's to, so fucking smart. To be fair, we talked about that in a previous thing. Batman's entire wealth. His his estimated. I'm saying if he can fucking fight Doomsday and survive, he can figure out a fix for Gotham. Okay, (laughs) city planning is not equivalent to fucking Doomsday. (laughs) Anyway, with that bullshit. (laughs) Another good example of one that a hero that I know you have opinions on, especially before his actual recent incarnation, for the longest time, from what I can tell, in quote-unquote comic fan history, the characters that were considered to be the example of street-level heroes were Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. For different reasons. But Luke Cage and Iron Fist specifically, because they teamed up in the Heroes for Hire lines, were the go-to, like, these are street-level guys. Even though Luke Cage is... Luke way Cage, above that level depending on who's writing him and how strong they make him but luke cage is kind of that spider-man one it's like you might be too strong and same thing with iron fist like yep. nobody can beat iron fist in hand-to-hand combat what is happening here yeah except well that gets complicated i'm, but I'm saying you know, in street like uh, average muggers and people living in harlem plus are not going to be able to crazy magic kung fu magic so yeah but they kind of get it and there's a lot of community outreach and stuff of that nature so it's like okay you guys are like slumming it kind of but i also know that if we bump you up to avengers level they take on some like some iron man's biggest heroes you're going to struggle a bit yeah so i'm not sure where necessarily want to go with this question but i'm going to bring up just a list of street level heroes in comics in general And if there is, I don't know, a question, but we can kind of see where we're going with these. I'm going to skip the first two, because we've already discussed them with Batman and Spider-Man. But they are literally number one and two on this first list I found. (laughs) And of course, number three is Captain America, who I've also discussed similarly, has the same kind of thing with with Hawkeye. Well, not quite the same. Like, Captain America is very strong, but the main reason why he's not street-level is because he mostly fights Hydra and global cabals and crazy shit like that. Yeah, he's operating on a bigger scale. And I think it kind of... See, Captain America's a weird one, you know? Because, like, you look at it, it's like, well, you're definitely too powerful to be fighting thugs on the street. But I don't know. What's the cap for... We'll just call it the Avengers just as legal. Like, who's the, what the... Where's the cap? Well, that's another thing is I don't think strength is necessarily the... Well, I'm just talking like power level. Like, Thor exists in... He's an Avenger, and he can handle cosmic threats. Yeah, because, like, a good example, a basic level is... Can you imagine the hero stopping a, a mugging, and that makes sense for what's going on? Now, that's not a... 100% accurate. After all, I can totally see Superman stopping a mugging, but Superman is the farthest thing from a street-level hero. So, 
It's just yeah, a general no. <laughs> first place to kind of start thinking about it, right? Like, I think about Captain mm-hmm. America, and he's a soldier. I'm not seeing him stopping a mugging. So, but as far as, no, like... No, but I can totally see him running, you know, an event for the VA. Oh, totally. Now, if we want to put, like, kind of cap thing... I mentioned earlier that, from what I can tell, the street-level power cap is if their destructive potential is that to destroy a street at max. So think about it this way. Spider-Man can throw a bus. That is pretty much the the height of his power, meaning that, yeah, he could wreck an entire block in a, you know, not too long. But it's not like, you know, Green Arrow, or sorry, Green Lantern, who can create, like, a big hand with his ring and smash an entire building. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Hulk, I mean, Hulk can destroy a street in 30 seconds. Yeah, so that's why I say, I personally think Spider-Man is... The, the, as far as powers are concerned, he is probably one level above the max of street level, but that's a, the area we're, we're talking for, like, highest range. Whereas most, quote-unquote, street-level heroes are going to be people closer to Daredevil, who have a power that lets them fight people and do crazy stuff like that, but not really, you know, destroy a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, like, Daredevil should not be fighting Ultron. Yeah. Captain America fighting old Trump, that makes sense. Exactly. Daredevil, by the way, is number four on this list that I'm looking at. So yeah, No, perfect. Daredevil, his stories work best when he's street level. His powers really work street level. Plus, with he, Daredevil... He needs to stay on the streets. Plus, with Daredevil, the whole fact that he's a lawyer means that he can very directly interact with regular people. That's another thing, too, is how often do these heroes interact with, quote-unquote, regular people? Like, that's in the, like. Captain America is a like he might have the whole PSAs in the movies, and we might see him as you know the image of the ideal of America, but he still is this kind of separate, almost distant entity. Like he's off doing soldier stuff. I don't see him, like you said, maybe VA stuff because veteran, but and not like on a regular daily basis. You know, he's not interacting with the people every single day. Yeah. Which is funny because that's actually kind of why the opening to Endgame was so cool to me with him running the therapy thing. But it's a whole other story entire. Yeah. Whereas Daredevil, not only is he going to be fighting crooks and mafia stuff, but he's going to be defending the victims of the very crimes that he's also like dealing with. So. Yeah, and I'm sure this is an unpopular opinion, but I hate the stories where Daredevil becomes, you know, the master of the hand and he's running criminal enclaves. Like, no, 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 take it down a level. Hands moving into Hell's Kitchen? Good Daredevil stories. Daredevil is running the hand's evil empire? Like, okay, you're, you, you bring it back down. Well, you know, I get why they might have thought that's a good idea because Daredevil as a character is more so than most other characters. I'd argue almost any except maybe Batman Daredevil's a character whose driving force is guilt. In his case, yeah. Catholic guilt. But So everything going on with him has to be in some way thematically connected to that. But the idea of conspiracy taking over shadowy organizations, again, that plot line makes more sense with Batman when it comes to the Court of Owls and the League of Shadows. But yeah, Daredevil... I don't think fits it very well. I, so. I never really liked that stuff. And it's just like you're taking him away from where he's fun, which is the rooftop leaping and the fighting ninjas and trying to protect his little square. Yeah, definitely. Which makes me wonder how Elektra fits into that, honestly. I cause... think Elektra's in the same vein, but a little bit more because she's, you know, an assassin, so she can travel the world. She's kind of that Black Widow space, you know? Yeah, but I also feel like... Electra is more I'm more open to her doing things like running evil cabals and Well and yeah, that's again it's that's it's the international space like Black Widow. You know, if Black Widow took over the hand, it'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean you're a spy and you work for Shield. It would make sense that you'd run a criminal cabal. Yeah. Certainly. Well, next on the list I see Iron Fist and Shang Chi, who are right next to each other, and I think both fit the same thing where maybe they used to be considered street level. I don't think that that's appropriate anymore, personally. No, I I feel like they're they're kind of that Luke Cage. They're kind of slumming it, you know. Well, I think in their cases, well, Iron Fist definitely has power way above that station. But more so, when I think of what those two characters, quote unquote, should be doing in a story, it's not dealing with 
mafia or muggers or city problems. It's dealing with supernatural, crazy, kung fu, magic, dragons, and you know creatures like that kind of problems. Yeah, I'll put them right on that tipping point like with Spider-Man. It's like, okay, I get you're doing good things for your community, but you're not using your full power potential. Yeah. Next would be The Punisher. Punisher's 100% street level. Absolutely. Which makes it really cool why... Uh, did you ever read... I only I didn't read this, but I read about like Punisher kills the Marvelverse or something. Which I haven't ever read any Punisher comics because I don't know what the good ones are. Well, this wasn't actually a comic from what I can tell. Punisher kills the Marvelverse was an idea that a writer was working on that got basically scrapped and then turned into The Boys. That... Hmm... Yeah, Billy Butcher in The Boys is supposed to be the Punisher, essentially. <laughs> that tracks. Anyway, but yeah, he's definitely, I think he definitely fits the bill for what we're talking about. Regular dude with guns, spends most of his time killing mafia dudes. His sphere of influence, whatever neighborhood he's in. <laughs> yeah, like, he barely works within the constructs of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, Punish. I agree with you, though, about, like, figuring out which Punisher comics are the good ones, quote-unquote. All right. No one get on my ass for quote-unquoting that. It's just that Punisher, we've talked before, in our very first episode we ever recorded for this podcast, Punisher is a difficult character for a lot of reasons. We've talked about the Punisher a couple times because we like him as a concept, but it's just what do you do with him? And, like, have you have you seen Marvel's latest reinvention of him? No, I haven't. What they do to him? He is now an ex-assassin for the hand. Mm, already don't like it. Who uses hook blades. Ah, uh, no, no. And they totally redesigned his logo because they didn't feel like fighting cops for it. Uh, I love, I love, I don't know what comic it's from, but I love there's this comic where, like, two police officers go up to Frank Castle and they say something like, you know, you're our hero, we look up to you. And he looks at them and he's like, what are you talking about? You are supposed to be police I shouldn't be your hero at all. Like, I shouldn't be required. I shouldn't be necessary. The fact that I am is a failure on your part, or something like that. <laughs> no, the Punisher's a fascinating character, but Marvel has no idea what to do with him because it's like, well, he's problematic for a multitude of reasons, and the wrong people like him, and I wish... I mean, Disney is famous for being litigious, and of all the times to be litigious, Punisher's the time to do it, but... Yeah, and I feel like Punisher's the kind of character that has giant, we want him in our universe appeal, but works best in his own individual stories, maybe interacting with one or two of... Like, yeah, he works well with Daredevil, for a lot of good reasons, but Daredevil isn't really an out-there kind of character, as we described before. Yeah, Punisher's fun to have. Like when he has a conversation with Captain America, it's really good. Or when he has a conversation with Daredevil, it's really good. But when you start pulling at threads of Punisher, you start going, wait a second. Why isn't Captain America busting up these pedophile rings? Yeah. He has the resources of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then you're like, this is why we don't write a lot of stories with crossover. Well, again, in that case, it's because Captain America is, quote unquote, busy dealing with Hydra things instead, which are quote-unquote more important or at least and, more... exactly like i said that's why we don't do crossovers is then you start going wait a second yeah so that's why frank castle's there to pick up the slack on things like human trafficking so anyway next on this list i see is black panther who i do not see a street level at all in the get slightest. the fuck out of here yeah, he is no african way. captain america yeah, actually arguably more so, since not only does he have basically Captain America's superpowers, but Batman's gadgets, and he's a king of his own nation that is the most advanced nation on the planet, so he's got the resources of an entire country behind him. No, no, not street level in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, no, he's fascinating. Like, one of my favorite uh, comics of his is during the Civil War event, when he got involved, and like, sir, you realize you're creating a diplomatic event. And like, well, we can't arrest the king of Wakanda. He's like, well, we can't exactly let him do what he's doing. Now, I'll admit that by the criteria that I have put forward, he might fit one or two of the conditions. I don't know enough about Black Panther's villains, but I do know that his sphere of influence is planet because 
he doesn't just operate in Wakanda. He operates in multiple countries in relation to things. He's the head of state. He's, yeah, no, he's up there with Captain America. It's like you, everything you do has huge repercussions. Yeah. Now, the next one I'm going to have to leave to you, because even though I watched the show, I still feel woefully inadequate to comment on Moon Knight in regards to this. Oh, boy. Moon Knight's a fun one, because a lot of his stuff is street level. He is the protector of those who travel by night. He also fights ghosts and monsters and other stuff. I think he's firmly street level. Like that's where his best stuff is, is protecting those who travel by night, be that from rapists or vengeful ghosts. I mean, there are a couple comics. So real, well, runs... hold on, real quick, where does he mostly operate? In his own mind. Okay, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying, like, the majority of his big runs, a lot of it's like something. But no, a lot of it is him operating in New York City, protecting people. Okay, so he's mostly in New York, mostly protecting people from stuff that happens at night, which very much falls into rapists, burglars. I know you mentioned he deals with human trafficking and stuff like that. His power set, if I remember correctly, in the comics is a lot closer to like batman because he's in a lot of ways yeah he's like a tier above he's halfway between daredevil and luke cage okay depending who's writing him so he's fitting kind of close in power so then that just leads to who are his what are the threats that he's up against a lot what are kind of what kind of villains is he up against khonshu see that's a god so (laughs) yeah and those are either the best stories or the worst stories like, we just got done with a run called Age of Khonshu, where Khonshu takes the power of the Phoenix Force and reshapes the universe, and it wasn't very good. Mm. But now we're in a new run called, I think it's the Church of Midnight, where he opens kind of his own. It's a refuge for those who travel at night who want to seek the help of Moon Knight. Okay. He's kind of in that he deals mainly on street-level stuff, but he's also kind of in the supernatural element, which is its own subset, I'd argue. Yeah, but I would say it sounds like he deals primarily with street level while dipping his toes into supernatural. Because I agree, supernatural is a whole, it's almost like a side thing. Like I say, supernatural is similar to cosmic, but because things like supernatural tend to deal with alternate realities or other dimensions like hell, places that are colossal inside like constantine not a street level guy he's just a guy yeah but he knows crazy spells and he regularly screws over devils and demons and angels and shit so anyway i'm not saying constantine's on this list i haven't seen him yet but i just as an example of to me he's the premier supernatural comic book character i'm sure there are other good examples like you know hellboy and whatnot but supernatural is its own separate entity yeah and that's where like i said i would argue like moon knight's been on the avengers and it felt weird I'm like i'm happy to see you there but this this isn't your bag mm. so i think well i at least fall in the category it sounds to me like moon knight fits the fits the bill but with a with an asterisk next to his name you know <laughs> yeah we'll have that third category of should be fighting magic stuff yeah in addition at least now i will say this disappoints me. The list I'm looking at, the next eight things on the list are all Batman side characters. So I'm going to skip all of them. The Bat family is street level. Yeah, like I will argue Batman himself isn't, but Nightwing... That's only yeah. because writers had to, you know, find new ways you could beat Bat, uh, Superman in a fight. Yeah, but but Nightwing and Red Hood, yeah, they're street level. So, And I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole other thing. Ooh, what about Winter Soldier then? To my knowledge, I've never heard of Winter Soldier fighting street level threats. Like No, but he's on what well, he's rough relatively well, no, he's more powerful than Red Hood. Yeah, he's more powerful than Red Hood. Definitely. He can fight Captain America. He's on Captain America level. Scratch that. <laughs> yeah. Plus again, to my knowledge, and I admit my knowledge of comic book Winter Soldier is very limited, he is like Captain America in that normally if he's around, he's dealing with well, Hydra, or Hydra-like things. He's a lesser version of Captain America, but no, he... I mean, he was Captain America for a while. That tells you what you need to know about his power level. Yeah. Now, the, the next on this list I do see is 
a personal favorite of mine, Black Canary. I think depending on how powerful you're making her screams, I feel she's like, either firmly street level or butting up against it. I feel like she's firmly street level. Even with her super powerful screams, she doesn't use them on like people. She can't use them when she's dealing with like regular muggers and stuff. It just comes out when she has to fight other soups. So because she's a trained hand to hand combatant, right? Yeah, like she depending under- on. Depending on what version you're looking at, Black Canary is either trained like by the League of Shadows themselves, or through military expertise, or connected to, you know, Green Arrow. It Black Canary is a few different. I don't know what her stand gold standard incarnations backstory is. I just know that I've seen her in a lot of cartoons and animations, and I always adore her. So, yeah, no, she can fight. So, and at this point, we're starting to get into some at least characters here that are definitely lesser known so i'm going to skip over huntress lady blackhawk and catwoman who is more of a villain i will say the question is on this list and as i was about to ask you like we cannot do this without talking about the question yeah so the question oh okay i've talked about the question a few times the question is like my favorite lesser known hero period he's also to me a perfect example of a superhero who i love whose every philosophy i disagree with so The question, for those who don't know, is a dude. He's just a guy who's a really good detective and who has this gas that, when he activates it, covers his face in a film that then makes it look like he has no face. Ah, that's how that works. I thought it was a Rorschach-style thing. No, well, I mean, they might have changed it in the comics, but as far as I know, originally, that it was a gas. And that's why he always... That tracks. That's why he always comes out of a mist, because he had just activated it. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. But the question is a character who was made, uh, I don't know if he was made directly by Steve Ditko, I'm pretty sure, but he was originally made as a toned down version of, actually I don't know if Ditko's A-Man comes before or after the question, but I know that they're related. Point is, he was Ditko's objectivist kind of philosophy put into a character. The question is this like super individualistic conspiracy theorist who is out there trying to track down the real crime and get the heart of the lies of society and government and stuff. The kind of stuff that people in reality spout, I get really grossed out by, but the question's a cool character and it works for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep, I looked it up real quick. He is a Ditko creation and he was created for Blue Beetle number one. Oh, I didn't know he was in Blue Beetle number one. That's neat. I knew he was, he wasn't, mainline dc i know they've got that in the acquisition but that's all i knew about him there's been a couple people that have been the question i actually never remember the i know it's a vic sage i want to say is his original i just call him the question i always forget what his identity is there's also renee montoya who became the question later but i don't know anything about her other than she exists so i can't say about her but the point is he's a detective he's literally a noir character he is I don't even know if I call him a street-level hero. He's more like a cop character who just happens to have a gimmick. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm putting him firmly on street-level because I feel it's the Dick Tracy thing. Like, yeah, you can punch out some goons, but if I put you up against Bizarro, you're kind of in trouble. One of the best examples of that is, if anyone didn't watch this, he, he is voiced amazingly by jeffrey combs in justice league the animated series and justice league unlimited and there's a whole well i should say just justice league unlimited he wasn't in anyway there's a whole sequence where the question is tracking down what amanda waller is doing and if you know comics you know amanda waller is a big deal in the dc universe she basically runs government black ops she is dc's version of nick fury with hair and more evil (laughs) <laughs> or at least oh more. yeah which is saying something because nick fury's not a good guy but amanda waller is evil like yeah nick nick fury is very morally gray amanda waller is pretty straight up a bad person even though she <sighs> nick fury is a moral pragmatist yeah anyway point is the question in justice league unlimited starts following like amanda waller's stuff and figuring out what's going on and that leads him to finding out about the justice lords which was a parallel universe version of the justice league where superman killed lex luther after lex luther became president it long story but in that alternate timeline then superman becomes evil the justice league becomes the justice lords they take over the world then there was this whole justice league episode where 
they come into our universe and fight our Justice League, essentially. Or I should say the main universe. But then that's also the episode where Doomsday showed up in Justice League, the animated series. And that version of Superman tried to lobotom... Or actually lobotomize Doomsday. He comes back later, because he's Doomsday. The point is that Question finds out about all this, and he's like, oh, someone's trying to make these events kind of happen. And so he starts just tracing the conspiracies until he basically gets to... Lex Luthor, who's masterminding a bunch of stuff, and then there's this great scene where he's like, you have this plan that could involve Superman killing you and going evil. And as he's saying this, he's like taking off his tie and wrapping it around his hand. And because this is a kid's cartoon, he can't say it outright, but what he's saying he's going to do is, if I kill you, Superman can't kill you and become evil. And that's the kind of mentality that the question has. Of course... What he didn't know is that at that point Lex Luthor was possessed by Brainiac and so had Superman-level strength, and then he got the crap beat out of him and then tortured, because as Ulrich put it, once the question is out of his depth, he's just a guy who boxes really well. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect street level. There's no superpowers to him other than he knows how to throw a punch. Yeah. Anyway, I just want an excuse to talk about the question, because he's awesome. So, <laughs> I really want a movie of the question. Because I think Better Luck is going to be HBO Max series. Oh, I would be even better because he literally, well, like Daredevil, I think the question is a character that fits a a serialized show, one where don't actually have some crazy over, maybe have a conspiracy in the background, but a question show should be for the most part, what is the mystery he's solving this week? Like Perry Mason, if he also beat the snot out of people. So I kind of want him to show up in one of the seasons of peacemaker that would be so cool but you know that that would vigilante and peacemaker would just mock the hell out of him for not having a face that's why it would work like i feel like james gunn's love of these weird obscure characters and he would fit perfectly after the whole butterfly incident it's like no no actually he's on to something the girl scouts are bent on world domination oh it'd be great if it would be great if Question knew all about the butterflies to begin with, but no one listened to him because no one listens to the Question ever. So. Yeah, no. Like, just, I want that. I want that. Like, even if it's a one-episode cameo, we have to go get the information from this guy and just all the jokes you could write. I'm on board. I love this idea. I hope James Gunn is a fan. Anyway. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Next on the list, I see Black Widow, who we've already discussed, and Winter Soldier, who we've already discussed, and U.S. Agent, who's kind of a bad guy, so I'm not gonna touch on that one u.s agent and the whole thunderbolts thing no i'm sorry they're smack dab in the superhero team yeah and teams are all it's funny because the defenders are supposed to be a street level team that's kind of the point of the defenders so you can have defenders series yes defenders comics no true i know very little about the defenders comics so i can't the defenders comics it's doctor strange silver surfer and hulk okay so no (laughs) (laughs) we're here to stop the bank robbery ah the hell you are dr strange is both a cosmic and supernatural level hero like there's no higher level than what dr strange is he's slumming it when he's on the avengers yeah pretty much (laughs) like even literally thinking about him i will say that it's funny because i get it and i i loved his role in infinity war but to some degree even dealing with thanos feels like under the level that i normally associate dr strange with dealing with so well i can kind of get behind it because thanos is brute strength and brute strength is not he's got to be if he can outthink his opponent yeah no you get my point though it's like thanos is a threat to one universe dr strange just deals with multi-universal threats yeah and you can kind of feel marvel struggling with that it's like well, he's really powerful and deals with cosmic stuff, but we need to keep him grounded enough that he can show up in the next Avengers movie and not nuke everybody. Yeah, I call it the Captain Marvel conundrum. Well, again, there I, I have a friend at work who me and I, him and I, talk about comic book stuff all the time, and I love the MCU for a lot of reasons, but there are a number of heroes that they have to very obviously tone down a lot just because the level of power that Thor and Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel have in their original incarnations is just so far above everything that it... Not that you can't do it, they've actually built up some of those characters. Like, Thor's a lot seemingly stronger now than he was in the beginning, and they've kind of worked in this kind of direction. Doctor Strange, similarly, but still, like... Doctor Strange in the comic can end a multiverse in a few thoughts, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, and we may eventually do an episode talking about it. 
But Marvel's power scale is meaningless in the MCU. Like, characters are as weak or as strong as they need to be for the purpose of the plot. And if you're getting caught up in it, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, because, like, I think what Ulrich... I think it's important to illustrate that from my perspective, when Ulrich said that just now, that wasn't a complaint. That's just a, this is how Marvel does it. It actually works really well for them. Don't get caught up in the minutia because you're just going to give yourself a bad time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see so many people complaining like, Doctor Strange's powers keep yo-yoing movie to movie. It's like, and? Yeah, that honestly happens in the comics all the time, too. So Yeah, Doctor Strange in the comics is, I'm a god. Oh, no, I've lost my power. I'm a god again. Oh, no, I've lost my power. Yeah, or Thor himself goes from, I pushed a device that was manipulating the entire universe to... I'm going to fight this rock giant for a bit. So it it just, whatever needs to happen, essentially. It, yeah, no, just just don't focus on it. You're just going to make yourself unhappy. Yeah. Now, a character that I think can actually be, I can accept either way, is Deathstroke. And here's why. Deathstroke, by his power set, light amount of regeneration, faster reflexes, slightly improved strength, Feels very street level. He's got a, a storyline that's similar to Rachel Ghoul, but without the whole, you know, league underneath him. He feels very street level on surface. He's also defeated every member of the Justice League at one point or another, and he's main thing is he's a hired assassin, so I I don't know. I could feel like this could go either way, honestly. I feel like he falls into the Batman problem of he's a cool character that writers have, you know sandbagged up to be stronger than he should be that's fair like i like him as a street level minor threat because like there's nothing about him that really makes me go oh yeah no you could totally take on green lantern and win hmm. like what in his power set really makes him go feel what like what in his power set is like oh no no you can totally punch really 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 incredibly hard <laughs> yeah i guess the fact that he has and i i am open to the idea that it's just a writer thing but the fact that he has beaten the justice league is what makes me question it i guess yeah i'm going to coin the phrase now and randy in writing objectivist writing i mean we already talked about the question so <laughs> and yet somehow the question doesn't fall into that category i think of the way you mean it I'm just saying, you know, when you write these characters like, well, he just tried really, really hard. And then he got really good through the sheer effort and will of his own self-determination. Hmm. So I will let's maybe we should have a category called like borderline or something like maybe. Yeah, no, there's definitely some that kind of and they can be on the superhero team. And you're like, oh, you belong. And then you've got others like Tiger. And you're like, what are you doing here? Tiger? Tigra. 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 I don't know Tigra. She's a sexy cat lady. Okay. <laughs> I know White Tiger, I thought was the sexy cat lady, but that's Marvel's, so. No, no, she's Marvel. She's just a lady with leopard, with tiger colored skin that's kind of strong and kind of fast and wears a bikini. Hmm. I feel like we have Cause several many characters like that. Cause many a question for fans going, she technically doesn't, her skin isn't technically fur, it's skin color, but then she has the tail. What does that mean? And... Hmm. Well, it's just funny because now that you mention it, there are like a bunch of cat girl characters. The only thing wrong, I, I like a cat girl the same as anyone else. It's just funny how many of them there seem to be. So. We talked about this with animators. They are notoriously horny. That goes for all artists. That's fair, but... You, wonder why it's always cats i mean you'd think there'd be more bunny girls or something yeah anyway i'm not going down that rabbit hole with you <laughs> rabbit hole see it's on your mind too anyway <laughs> no here's an interesting one this one lists hawkeye who we both agreed is not but the text underneath says as ronin which is funny because i kind of agree with that when he takes on the yeah. ronin persona i think he is but not as hawkeye you know? I will say Kate Bishop Hawkeye, 100% street level. Like when she's on the Young Avengers and the Secret Avengers, mm -hmm. totally works. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying that I think it's funny that once, from my understanding, right, once Hawkeye becomes Ronin, he basically gets rid of the whole, 
I'm traveling around the world fighting secret eight conspiracy and Hydra and stuff kind of thing that makes him not street level as Hawkeye. Instead, he's like, I'm going to go find mafia bosses and stab them to death, <laughs> which makes him not very different it, from the Punisher at that point. Yeah. Is it the shield connection? Like if you have the resources of shield, then you're automatically upgraded in status. I mean, you're literally at that point connected with a, with essentially the military. Like, how can you be considered a street level if you have the resources of essentially the United States military? Yeah. Because now I'm, like, running through the list in my head, like, of the Young Avengers. And it's like, no, y'all are pretty good at, you know, street level stuff. None of you are really super powerful. Hmm. Except maybe Wiccan. Yeah, well, doesn't Wiccan basically just have Scarlet Witch's power? To a lesser degree, but yeah. Yeah, and so that's reality warping that, yeah, anyway. There are certain he can, ones he can that do are magic. Off. Yeah. I feel like no matter what your sphere of influence and or villains are, if you have the power to destroy the planet, you are you have... I, I think once magic becomes involved, we gotta put you over in the supernatural category. True. Fair enough. I'm trying to think so, of any magic hero that I might actually put in the category. I was thinking, where does Blade fall? Blade. Oh, Oh, that's a weird one because he's uh-huh. he's supernatural, but he's not. He usually, from my understanding, doesn't he doesn't like go to heaven or hell. He doesn't usually travel to the other planes that most supernatural characters might. He just focuses on vampires on my turf, essentially. Yeah, he is very much doing the street level protecting and patrolling trees. Like he's probably right there with Moon Knight. Yeah, I would agree with that. Where I'd say street level with an asterisk. Asterisk. Yeah. Like, if you showed up on the Avengers, you'd be like, get out of here. You can't beat Ultron. He's not a vampire. Even though he probably could, because he tends to have, like, crazy artifacts from killing vampires and stuff. So Yeah, but I feel like Ultron spits in the face of magic because it's pure technology. I guess. Now I'm just thinking about Doctor Doom. So. Yeah. Doctor Doom. Hmm, Doctor Doom is his own thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dr. Doom is literally the height of... I saw a panel the other day of Dr. Doom, quote-unquote, dying, and then Mephisto's like, finally, your soul is mine. And then Dr. Doom just bitch slaps him. And it's like, you have no claim over my soul, and I'm too busy to die. Because <laughs> Doom... Uh, <laughs> I love Dr. Doom, but I also recognize there's a bit of the Batman conundrum in the writers have mismade him as powerful as they need to be. Yeah, but, but to me... It feels a bit more justified. Well, to like, me they never Doom... said Doom was just a man. Yeah. Well, to me, Doom is the exception. Like, literally, any other character, if they were, like... If their if their justification for doing something ridiculous was, I am blank, I'd be like, that's a stupid fucking cop-out. But with Doom, he could just go, you fool, I am Doom. And I'm like, yeah, damn right he is! Like, I mean, yeah, no, Doom kind of works, but then they have to drag Reed up to level. I look at Reed and go, you're smart and you can stretch. I feel like your stretching metaphor really has two is a double meaning here. Yeah, I, oh, you're not wrong. I'm just saying that I think Doom is the exception to the whole like writing yourself into a corner with power kind of thing because they could write Doom having pretty much any feat and I'll buy it because he's Doom. So, I mean, he's been a god at least twice. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite stories is there's a whole story where Doctor Doom gets to see like every alternate universe and the only one where like everything is happy and worthwhile is one in which he puts aside his hatred for for reed and works with reed and his response to that knowledge is to basically destroy that universe and be like this there can't be any universe where i work together with reed and people wonder why i love doom he is a super super petty awesome man anyway i admire him yeah yeah (laughs) Oh, the Ninja Turtles are listed here, which is interesting because I think they definitely fall under the category. They just also happen to fight aliens a lot. Yeah, but I feel like I don't know enough about turtles really to comment outside of. No, I feel like they are strongly street level. And when the aliens show up, it's localized. Yeah. And usually they're being like kidnapped and taken out into space against their will. And then they have to use, you know, they're still pretty standard skills that were originally developed to travel unseen through ancient Japan to to get out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, the Hawkeye argument, swords. Yeah, they use medieval weapons, it's true. But in this yeah. case, they also are localized, 
and most of their villains are mutants that are like I mean their main villains like Bebop, Rocksteady, they're just thugs who happen to be you know monsters. Shredder is he's a play on the hand, that's why it's called the foot, but he's still a a dude who's a ninja. He's he's basically if their villain was Batman and Krang is where it becomes odd, but again, like you said, localized. In the original cartoons, they just had the you know the drone, the technodrome that was underground. I think that's it. And they knew where it was. So <laughs> And Krang's also kind of incompetent. I mean, Shredder was back then too. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people some people might not know this, but in the original so the original Teenage Mutant Turtles comic was a parody of Daredevil. Literally the accident that caused the turtles to as as regular turtles to fall into the sewers was the same car accident that caused Matt Murdock to lose his vision and they they made it very clear in the comic without you know sueableness and and that's and then again their enemies are called the foot to make fun of the hand shredder appears in the first comic and promptly dies so i mean master splinter and stick it, oh I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that that one too, certainly. So yeah, no, that's why everyone goes, "Oh, the original Ninja Turtles were so edgy and dark." Yeah, they were making fun of the Mark Miller obsessed, edgy, dark Daredevil. Yeah, and the turtles didn't really take off as a thing until they were bubblegummed up as a cartoon f- to sell toys. <laughs> yeah, now one hundred percent street. Is there any other indie comics we can really go? These are street level. I was debating, he's not indie anymore since he's been absorbed into the DC universe, but I'm a huge fan of Static Shock, and while his powers are way, way, way above street level, he controls a fundamental force of reality. He still mostly fights literal punks who happen to have I would say he's powers. in the Spider-Man category of butting up against. Yeah, agreed. Same thing with Black Lightning. I... I don't know enough about Black Lightning to actually gauge. I'm just going based off the really good show. Yeah, but even that, I, I only watched some of, so I, it's hard for me to say. I just, I love Static, and I just think it's funny that Static has, on paper, one of the most powerful abilities in comic books. Because, for those who don't know physics, there are four fundamental forces of reality. The strong force, the weak force, gravity, and electromagnetism. And static controls electromagnetism. Theoretically, Magneto and Electro should be just as powerful, but for some reason they are limited because, you know, comics. So, but anyway. Oh, Magneto's crazy powerful. Yeah, but he still doesn't... He still has never shown the ability to control electricity, which he should definitely have because magnetism and electricity are the same thing. But anyway. <laughs> that's, that's the... Magneto doesn't need any more help being a fucking badass. Yeah. Sorry, that's my physics brain coming out there. Like, anyway. As an engineer. I know. That's the part, that's the same brain that makes the Flash literally the most powerful member of the Justice League. Which is funny, too, because I saw the Flash in several conversations about street-level stuff, and it's like, yeah, power-wise, he is so far out of this conversation, because he's possibly the most powerful member of the Justice League, because the Speed Force is the most ridiculous MacGuffin DC have come up with. He also, in the comics, spends most of his time fighting dudes like Captain Cold captain boomerang <laughs> yeah let's 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 put the speed forces aside no the flash is way too powerful to be fighting street level stuff and yet that's still primarily what he does his influence is mostly limited to his one city so which that's good i'm gonna say it now the flash is being fucking lazy agreed i mean yeah <laughs> even if we put the speed force aside he could be solving crimes across the midwest Honestly, if the Flash was taken at the value uh, that we've seen, like one of his most wonder or one of his craziest feats was he, if I remember correctly, he evacuated the entire city of Seoul after a nuclear bomb went off, but before it could hit anyone. Meaning that the bomb hit the ground, started exploding, and before it could reach anyone, he got the entire population of the city out like i remember that in death battle they calculated how fast he must have been going and it's like so many times faster than the speed of light that 
even if he took just like a couple hours a day, he could be solving crimes all over the planet easily, and people wouldn't even realize that the crimes were solved. They just wouldn't happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's a whole other episode that we had of talking about should superheroes have power levels? It... Like hard caps. Like, sometimes it bugs me. It's like, okay, this has just gotten stupid. Yeah, at the same time, I'm a Superman fan. And it's funny because I don't feel like I have the same problem with Superman. Even though Superman is a man who, on paper, he can do anything. That is the point of his character. So his best stories aren't about, can Superman do this? Because the answer is yes. It's about, how does this affect the people around him? And how how is he feeling about this? And stuff like that. So... Yeah, and that's where it gets kind of iffy for me. It's like, sometimes it creates interesting, fun stories. Other times, it's an excuse for Batman to beat Doomsday. To be fair, I think you mean Darkseid every time. I don't know if Batman's ever beaten Doomsday, but Darkseid's who we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I can see him beating Doomsday somehow, too. I'm sure that my friend who's a Batman fan could tell me about it. I mean, the final... Not Not to make you mad... Because you, I don't know if you've heard of this, but in a recent event in the DC Comics, there was a future alternate version of Batman who had something called the Final Bat Suit, which was made with tenth metal and basically let him reshape reality as he wanted to. I think I heard about that, and that's when I started going, "Okay, I really think certain we need to start talking about the idea of having hard power limits for superheroes." Because I think it was when Tony Stark made God Armor. I'm like, "Okay, get the fuck out." Uh, Tony Stark didn't just make God armor. He made an armor that created an entire another reality within itself that he was then the God of. Yeah, no, that's just stupid. I don't <laughs> like that. Yeah. What's funny is I remember a long time ago watching. So superhero comics, people rarely talk about, I think, power creep, even though it is a problem. But it's a much bigger, it's a more talked about problem in anime And this has been talked about largely because of things like Dragon Ball Z, where we literally went from the beginning of the series, Goku could kind of lift a car, to end of the series, his punches create waves of shock throughout a multiverse kind of things. Like, the the creep is is very strong. And there's a show that came out, I want to say like 10 years ago or so, I don't know what season it's in now, called My Hero Academia. I think I've mentioned it to you before, Ulrich. Yep. It, it's an anime that's plot can be summarized as if Iron Man had won Civil War and it was the best possible outcome. Because it's a fictional world where 80% of the population has superpowers, but it's just part of the culture. You go to school to become a superhero. You get licensed and registered. You make it your profession kind of thing. In the first season, they do this thing called establishing a power ceiling. They show the most powerful superhero in the world and they have him fight a fight where he's having to give more than his all. And that's in season one. And that is to show you, here is the ceiling. Here is what everyone else is building up to. And to my knowledge, even in like season five, they haven't broken that promise, you know? Yeah, no, I, it just, it's, that's why I love and hate comics. And sometimes I'll go, I'm just going to skip this run for a while because you've, you don't know what to do with these characters, so you've just broken them. And that's not interesting anymore. And it just feels like you're pandering to me. And then Iron Man made an armor so powerful that no one could defeat him. Like, no, fuck you, that's dumb. That's not why I read Iron Man. Well, again, for for me, the way to describe that is that a lot of times, yeah, some of these feats can be great, but they're mostly great for these kind of conversations, not for the stories themselves. In fact, the idea of watching for reverse fate by moving a machine that is holding up Yggdrasil and thus the entire universe is like, okay, whatever, kind of cool. But just because it's this crazy feat doesn't mean it's inherently interesting. The powers and the big feats are not the most interesting things. Are these well-done characters? What are the character beats? I love Superman not because he can hold a black hole in his hand, but because he is a literal paragon of good and watching how that impacts people around him, how that creates a character like Lex Luthor and how their interplay in Superman All-Star is one of my favorite hero-villain conversations ever. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Point is, it's not about the powers a lot of times. 
No, I was going to say, I said, Dr. Manhattan is interesting because he has all these powers and that's not always interesting. It's interesting because you see like he has all these powers and he doesn't care. Yep. And what does that mean? And what does that say? But then again, we're getting into the Alan Moore of it all. And that's its own weird snake filled rabbit hole. But that makes me feel again, like from the beginning of this conversation, to me, what really makes a hero street level is not their power, even though, as I said, once they can destroy the planet, I think they are permanently exiled from being considered street level but generally speaking it's not their power it's their tone it's their methodology it's what kind of stories are being told yeah i was gonna say i think the ultimate decider is where are their most interesting stories told is it on a team with a bunch of other people fighting a big cosmic hero or is it trying to fight one bad guy or criminal syndicate from you know moving in and gentrifying a neighborhood I feel like if you can imagine them spending an entire run dealing with Kingpin, probably street level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that feels like that's my conclusion anyway. Yeah, no, that's a real good conclusion we came back around to. The answer ultimately is, where are their most interesting stories told? Yeah, and if they're being told at a literal street level, like street by street, there you go. There's we said that term. I want to go back and count how many times we said that term because it was beginning. I was beginning to hate it about ten minutes ago. So. Make a drinking game out of it, folks. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to our suggestions of the week since I think we concluded this street level conversation. <laughs> yep. Now I'm gonna quickly get this out of the way. I'm suggesting the boys. Now I have complex feelings about the boys i have not even watched seasons two and three but i've seen so many clips of jensen eccles in season three <laughs> as soldier boy essentially captain america if he was an actual soldier it's more complicated than that but yeah it's way more complicated than that yeah point is jensen eccles is great and i'm going to watch more of the boys as soon as i have time but every clip i see is like man i wish i could find time to watch this so I'm just going to suggest that. I will co-sign it because it's really good. I have watched all the way up to the final episode of season three. For as base and crass as it may seem on the outside, they've got some real fun ideas on the inside. I used to say, I, I talked with Wretched about this, and I was like, I don't, I didn't feel a desire to watch The Boys because I thought it was covering the same ground as Invincible, and that Invincible was doing it better. And his response was, I see where you're coming from, but Invincible is all about, like, the brutality of superheroes in reality. And while The Boys touches that, The Boys also has the whole angle of the corporate and the capitalistic element that Invincible isn't touching at all. And once he said that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I totally see that. So They also really started leaning, in this season especially, they leaned hard into the politics of it, including uh, one of the subreddits had to be shut down because Homelander fans realize that Homelander is not the good guy. <laughs> By the way, I saw someone mention that Anthony Starr, the actor who plays Homelander, would make a perfect Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, and I am obsessed with this idea now. So He'd have to slim down. Not really. <laughs> but anyway, another conversation. <laughs> I'm going to suggest a new show on Netflix that my daughter and I just finished watching called Dead End. What's that? This is a really, really, really good animated series because every night my daughter and I will watch like a half hour cartoon before she, you know, she goes to bed. We've, we've been working our way slowly through all the ones. And this one came up on Netflix and it is about an amusement park kind of like if Dollywood was run by Elvira. Okay. That also happened to have an elevator to hell. Okay. And that's the central premise because it's all about this story of our main character, Barney, who is a teenager who leaves home to go live there because he is transgender and his parents don't support him, only for his dog to then become possessed by a demon. Uh, this sounds like a Goosebumps plotline, and I mean that in a good way right now. It is. Because it very much is this whole kind of ongoing mystery of what's really going on in the park called Dead End. Like there's a central mystery going on. And there's lots of, you know, it gets right up on the edge of being a bit too creepy, but has really good jokes. Any actors I would know? No, this I don't recognize any of the voice actors. 
Oh, is it animation? I missed that. Yes. Second episode has a great misdirect with it's a zombie movie, but with suit mascots. For what I just googled it. From what you described, I wasn't expecting a what do I call it? Like a She-Ra type of artistic style. That's a very soft-edged looking thing. Yeah, no, and that's kind of what works, is it gets kind of creepy right up on the edge, but it has some really great humor and some really great jokes. And it led to the conversation with my daughter of explaining what someone who was transgender was. Oh, I mean... Which I wasn't prepared for. How old's your daughter? How old's Maya now? She is four and a half. Four and a half. That... All right. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I would answer truthfully at that point, but it does seem... A... I had to find a way to explain to her. But afterwards, I was thinking, like, we give Netflix a lot of shit, and rightfully so. But they are the only one that are producing kids' cartoons with transgender and gay characters that they don't even bat an eye at. Yeah, that was uh, the, the Age of the Wonder Beasts. Same, had yeah. same thing. They just put it right out there. And it's like, and it's a really good show, and it's really kind of dark, but it's also really funny. There's a full-blown musical episode oh. that references... They do, there's a Phantom of the Opera riff, there is a Little Mermaid riff. By the way, quick sidebar, since he said Dead Ends on Netflix, The Boys is on Amazon. Anyway, continue. Again, we blew through 10 episodes, like, this is so good, and I love the combination. My daughter loves it because it's kind of macabre and kind of creepy, but it's also super silly and over the top, so it strikes that balance perfectly. And again, I was just kind of dumbstruck by coming off Disney stuff where they'll flash up you know, pride flag for 30 seconds in the background of one of their characters. And this one opens with, I'm transgender and I left my home because my parents didn't support me. That is a bold move to open that way, yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, that's really good. And also, my dog was possessed by a demon and I had to exercise him. Which one? So I see two characters. I see one with blue hair and one who has dark hair. Which one is the main character? Barney's the main character. His friend is Norma, who has anxiety, and then there's a demon named, oh, Courtney. Is that the, I see a, what looks like a classic red-horned demon, yeah. Yep, and then there's the the dog named Pugsley, who gains the ability to speak and do magic after they exercise the demon. Huh, alright. But there's also this whole long-running mystery of what happened to the founder of the park named Pauline. Who Slagather pointed out, like, she's kind of dressed like a drag queen. Like, there's strong implications that that's also, it's like, one part Elvira, one part Dolly Parton, one part drag queen. Well, I mean, Elvira was, from my understanding, huge LGBTQ icon before she even came out. So. Oh, yeah. No, 100% in that. And it's this perfect little blend, and I loved it so much. And its ability to, like, introduce these kind of complex things to kids was just, like, yeah, no, we give Netflix shit, and rightfully so, but they are the only ones that are, like, not, like, they don't care. They're like, yeah, no, we are going to have queer characters. Yeah, I mean, you could even argue, you know what, whole other conversation, but yeah, go Netflix. Keep, you have other problems, but this is a good thing. Keep it up. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things, because the more people that see this, the more we can grow, and shares and views and all that is the lifeblood of podcasts and if you're listening to us it must be on soundcast or google play pocketcast iHeartRadio, or the firesidealliance.com or on spotify where you can rate us and if you do that'd be really helpful so you know please and thank you as always this has been lord commander Ulrich and his shield brother axel Wright. be sure to tune in next time and as always stay honorable